Welcome, everyone. This is Plant Profits. I'm your host, Vern Davis, and Plant Profits is proudly brought to you by Protus Global. Have a great guest today. Excited about the conversation we're going to have today. My guest today is Shahida Shabazz, who is the executive director of the International Cannabis Bar Association, INCBA. Shahida earned a Bachelor's of Science degree with honors from Florida A&M Gold Rattlers and her JD from Harvard Law School, where she served as the editor-in-chief of the Black Letter Law. We got to talk about that because I don't know what the Black Letter Law Journal is, quite frankly. She has also earned an MBA from Woodbury University, and that's just the beginning of her educational accomplishments and I didn't even mention all the certificates, but you get to drift. We we have a superstar here today, and we're looking forward to having a conversation with her about what the INCBA is, her route, how she got there, and what she plans to do that she is now in seat as the executive director of the INCBA. Shahida, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Vern. I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, absolutely. We've been looking forward to this conversation, as I said. Now, I got to go back. I want to ask you, what is the Black Letter Law Journal at Harvard <laughs> University Law School? That's right. So in law school, there are a number of journals that are scholarly journals. They pull together articles that look to either advance the law looking forward or explain uh, some legal history or a concept. Generally at law schools, there's, you know, at the top of the food chain, there's the law journal of that institution. Within the, the body of journals, there will be other more um, subject specific journals. So the Black Letter Law Journal was one that was focused on civil rights and racial justice. And okay. so we pulled together articles that looked at um, those areas of law, civil rights and racial justice. Well, that was good foundational preparation for what you do today. That is great. That's an important topic. And, yeah. and it does, you know, if you look at equity in the cannabis industry, there's definitely an undercurrent of, you know, civil rights and, and justice. Oh, totally. Totally. Just a natural way it's set up. So, look, you have been, uh, you're an experienced attorney. You worked in municipal legal. You've also obviously worked in camps. Kind of tell us about how you got to be interested in this, right? What you do today as executive director INCBA. And, or how did you get here? How did you, tell us about the journey and the important doors you stepped through to make sure that you got to this place at this time? Sure. I think one way to kind mm. of frame it is, you know, you have to do an essay when you're applying to, to college or, or grad school, right? And just okay. go and talk about your goals and who you are. My personal statement essay said that I wanted to be a Renaissance woman. And I, so I knew then, you know, I had a lot yeah. of different interests. I wanted to make a difference and, um, do it in a number of different ways. And so that's how my career has actually unfolded. Um, and so that's been just a wonderful journey. 
after law school, so even before law school, between college and law school, I had an opportunity to complete an internship for, you know, soon to be President Barack Obama. But I worked in his Senate office in Washington, D.C. Oh, in Washington, D.C. Okay. Yes. Um, During his freshman year as a senator. And um, so that was eye opening in terms of learning how the federal government works, understanding how laws are made, the, you know, negotiations and the compromises and the conversations behind closed doors that happen that lead to, you know, the laws that govern our country. So I had that opportunity as an intern. And then I went into law school. And when I went into law school, I knew that I wanted to find a way to work in both government and private practice, because for me, there's always been an interesting relationship between the two. And sometimes it's collaborative, sometimes there's tension. And so that was always just an intellectual perspective. Something that I found really interesting is how do those two areas um, work together? How can they work better together? And how do those relationships, you know, really impact everything that we do in this country. So after law school, I ended up kind of following the corporate train. um, And I went to work for a a large, very large corporate law firm doing real estate law. But you know, my one of my mantras is everything happens for a reason, right? Yeah, yeah. So started off in corporate real estate law in 2008. Could, could could I stop you there? Could I stop yeah. you there? We're in 2008. You're in corporate real estate law. Okay, why you had offers, right? You had opportunity uh, coming out of Harvard Law, and with the background that you had, why did you choose real estate route? The real estate route of law. So two reasons. One okay. is my parents are both architects. Okay, and so I grew up in the world of architecture in Chicago. And I found it just a fascinating area of industry. And even just, you know, as as a kid in Chicago, our skyline is just beautiful, right? And you see the skyscrapers being built and it's just something that's always really interested me. The other reason is I, I knew enough about law. So I was the first lawyer in my family. I didn't really know many lawyers. You know, okay. um, I had an opportunity to meet some in college through our pre-law society mm-hmm. at FAMU. And I even worked with one, um, Stephen Knight, who was amazing, an amazing mentor. But other than, than that network, I didn't really know any lawyers. All I knew was what I saw on TV. Yeah, And I knew I didn't want to be in court all the time. I didn't want to be that kind of lawyer. And so real estate seemed like a nice alternative. It was a way that I could leave a tangible mark, you know, on the world. Okay. All right. Great. Now, go ahead. We're in 2008. You're just taking this this real estate uh, law role with a large firm. And then you're about to tell me about some turns and twists. Oh, yeah. The entire real estate market <laughs> crashed. <laughs> it did. Oh, eight, oh nine. Oh, yeah. It was yeah. the worst time to start a career in real estate law. And yeah. again, like I said, everything happens for a reason. So I ended up getting laid off as a brand new lawyer, you know, six months into my career after I moved to Los Angeles, where I only knew, you know, a handful of people. But it ended up being the best thing for me 
personally, you know, and, and for my career. Um, and I say that because when you get laid off, you're like desperate, right? Yeah. <laughs> Under normal circumstances. But in the Great Recession, you're in this community where so many other people are in the same situation. Yeah. Right. And so there's a lot of support. There was a lot of support during that time. And I ended up through a series of just meeting people and having conversations, being vulnerable. I ended up finding a new kind of path to my career, which took me into municipal law. It took me into lobbying, um, strategic work with local government agencies, and then eventually into work as a municipal or city attorney. And the value of that in this journey, I would imagine, is you got to meet just, again, several people that were making it happen or the key to making it happen in in government and and how things work and and uh, that seems very foundational to what you, you're you're kind of doing now in this organization you're running and leading. Does that make Absolutely. sense? Absolutely, yes, it does. Mm-hmm. And so I actually got into cannabis law um, mm-hmm. through working as a local government attorney. So I was working for the county of Los Angeles okay. on a number of special projects. So very contentious, very challenging, massive team, you know, sorts of projects. And one of them was cannabis. And we were looking at how to simultaneously shut down the illegal dispensaries that were creating all sorts of problems, you know, for local communities. You know, think of trash on school routes where kids were walking to school not having proper security, you know, of course, not being licensed, things like that. So we were, on one hand, we were looking at how do we address these illegal dispensaries that were harming the community? And simultaneously, how can we create a legal market for adult use operations in the county? And then balancing all of the, the concerns, the interests that come along with that. That's how I got into cannabis law. Right. At that time, Medical was approved, obviously, uh, during that time in the state of California. Medical and adult use. It, it was also adult use. Red Bass. Okay. Okay. Yes. And so you had all of these moving, everything was, was changing, evolving, shaping into a community, a legal cannabis community. That's right. And even though, so adult use was legal statewide as a result of Prop 64, which was the voter-approved proposition in California, state, I mean, the state, you know, had legalized it, but cities and counties had the flexibility to decide the extent to which they wanted to allow adult use operations. So you had some cities that were just completely banning it altogether, and they were saying, no, thank you, you know, we don't want it, we'll wait and see. You had other cities who saw it as a great opportunity. They were more forward thinking. And then you had others like the jurisdiction where I worked, which, you know, on the one hand, they were interested and we spent time developing policies and, and doing the research. But ultimately, while I was still working there, the leadership decided to hold off on implementing it. So you had quite a range in the state. You did. I remember those times. Absolutely. Absolutely. Look, we're going to take a quick break. My guest today is Shahida Shabazz, 
She's the executive director of the International Cannabis Bar Association, INCBA. And we're, when we get back, Jita, I really want to dive into the steps right before you took this opportunity, okay? We'll be right back. I'm I'm Vern Davis. I'm your host of Plant Profits, and Plant Profits is proudly brought to you by Produce Global. Plant Profits will return so our sponsors can profit from these messages. Hey, welcome back, everyone. This is Vern Davis, and I'm your host of Plant Profits, and Plant Profits is proudly brought to you by Protus Global. My guest today, I'm having a conversation with Shahida Shabazz. She is executive director of the International Cannabis Bar Association, INCBA. And we just had a, a brief chat here early on about her journey, you know, from law school, working for Obama in Washington, D.C., all of that, and now, and getting laid off from her first job. That's <laughs> she she hit real estate in the worst time possible, but as she bounced back and it was organic how it actually occurred and that has really really put her into situations that really I'm sure is 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 going to help and is already helping her be successful where she is today. So Shahida, let's talk about that. So you you were doing this local legal thing and cannabis was one of the projects that was of interest, obviously, and that you were engaged in. And, and so now take us to the point where it it becomes now time to do something like this. How did you get here from there? So I had practiced law for 15 years. That's, yeah. That's kind of this super fast forward version. And after 15 years of, of practicing, again, going back and forth between working in government, working in private yeah. practice, working in very large organizations, smaller organizations, and completing an MBA in between all of that, which really allowed me to understand that some of the clients that I was representing, the startup organizations, you know, sure. the business leadership. I got to a point where I just, I wanted to do something different, something really different. And for me, that meant taking the business experience and training, taking the nonprofit interest in mm -hmm. training, and taking my legal background and applying it to a position like this, which also was an organic situation. Yeah. Um, so I had been a member of INCBA while I was practicing um, in the private sector okay. representing cannabis companies. So I knew about okay. INCBA from that perspective. Okay, good, good. So yes. you ca you came with full knowledge of what the opportunity and the challenges were. Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> so when they Not got you, when they got in the seat. It was really different. That has happened before. Uh, well, that's that's the thing with any organization, right? You yeah. you can know an organization from one capacity, right? And then yeah. when when you change your relationship with the organization, you're taking on a new role with new responsibilities, right? Yeah. So even though I knew INCBA as a member, yeah. I had no idea what to expect as executive director. <laughs> but it's it's that's, been that's a cool. wonderful journey so far. That's cool. So why why don't we take a real critical time in our conversation and just let's tell the listeners what the INCBA is. What is it? 
So INCPA is a professional membership organization for lawyers who practice cannabis law, also for students who are interested in cannabis law, and for our stakeholders who are involved in the cannabis industry. And that would include our regulators who are working on the policy. It includes you know, businesses and organizations that support lawyers and that support the cannabis industry at, more broadly. Okay. So thank you for that. That, that. that brings it into focus a little more. Now we can dive a little further down into it. So with that, what would you say the mission is? So you, you have folks that are interested, you got folks that are in it, you got legal, regulatory, you have stakeholders. I would imagine stakeholders would be business owners also. Right? In many cases, they are. Yeah. Yeah. So there, it's a wide variety of players on this team that that we call the INCBA. So what's, what's the mission of the team? So our mission primarily is to educate and to improve the quality, the legal cannabis industry. Okay. And so we educate lawyers. We provide top tier educational programming for lawyers so that they can do their jobs better. But we also support the advancement and the evolution of the cannabis industry as a whole. And we do that through, you know, limited, limited lobbying, limited comment letters. We participate occasionally in litigation, impact litigation through drafting amicus briefs mm-hmm. in support of a position. We have members who are, you know, who are testifying before different legislators. Sure. Uh, so in a number of ways. Okay. So I can blame you for the failure of SAFE, right? <laughs> I can I can blame you for the no two eighty eight. I could but I can also congratulate you for rescheduling, right? I can do all of those things. You're connected to all of that. We're definitely following all of it and and thinking about ways that we can help. So so that's the beautiful thing too about our membership. So we have yeah. over seven hundred members. Okay, across that's the globe, mm-hmm. and many of our members are—you know—they own their own practices, mm-hmm. or they work in larger law firms, or again, they work in government, and so they each play a part. So you can you can blame and thank us—you know—pretty much collectively because each of us has something that we are doing or trying mm-hmm. to do—you know—from writing blog articles or, like I said, testifying. We're all doing something. Yeah, that's I'm sure. So would would you say that most of the major lobbyists of the industry are part of your organization? I I wouldn't necessarily say that. So there are the cannabis industry, as you know, has it a broad scope, right? Yeah. And I know that there are other organizations whose primary mission is more targeted toward lobbying and lobbying at the federal government. Ours is more limited to focusing on the practice of law and, and lawyering. And so, for example, like when we we have a an internal policy that governs, you know, when we do lobby, when we do submit comment letters to legislators, and okay. our primary objective is to comment on things that impact the practice of law. Now, if you think about, you know, some things they tangentially impact the practice of law, right? Like rescheduling. Right. Or descheduling if that ever happens. Mm-hmm. 
that will significantly impact our practice of law because then we're no longer dealing with clients who are working with a substance that's Schedule One federally mm-hmm. prohibited, right? So it impacts us in that way. But there are other things that more directly impact lawyers. Um, for example, you know, professional ethical rules that talk about conflicts of interest or that talk about how we handle money that is paid by these types of clients. Um, just very esoteric example is, you know, some rules talk about cash, like you can't receive payment in cash. Well, we know most cannabis companies operate in cash because because of the, the status of the banking industry. Right. So that's more directly related to the practice of law. Okay. Okay. Got it. Okay. I think I got it. And so what do you do? I like to say that I am pretty much the CEO of INCBA. I am responsible for a number of things. One is making sure that our programming goes off without a hitch, that we have quality programming, we have interesting speakers, and that our our programming is something that our members find valuable and that our sponsors find valuable. Mm -hmm. Um, So for example, we just had an event in person in Montreal last month, and it was attended by attorneys who practice intellectual property law related to cannabis. So trademarks, patents, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, next month, we have another in-person event at MJ BizCon, which is mm-hmm. more broad. And it's looking at you know the teams that cannabis operators need to put together to operate successfully. So everything from bankers to HR professionals and staffing mm-hmm. companies to insolvency advisors and trustees across the board. So one of the things that I do is I'm an event planner and even <laughs> okay. Um, I'm also a fundraiser because we need sponsors and we need support in order to keep our organization running. We're a nonprofit. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm reaching out to people asking for money every day. I'm also, you know, an HR manager. I manage our very lean staff and I also manage our core group of very active volunteers, which on any given day could be 10, 20, 30 people who have great ideas about how we can make the organization run better. Okay. No, that's great. That That's really, really quite helpful. We're going to take a quick break. And then when we get back, we're going to really dive into some of the things you are and could be affected. Okay. I think we should do that. I'm Vern Davis. I'm your host of Plant Profits. Plant Profits is probably brought to you by Protus Global. My guest today is Shahida Shabazz. She is the executive director of the International Cannabis Bar Association, INCBA, and we'll be right back. Plant Profits will return so our sponsors can profit from these messages. Welcome back, everyone. This is Vern Davis. I am your host of Plant Profits, and Plant Profits is probably brought to you by Protus Global. My guest today is Shahida Shabazz. She is the executive director of the International Cannabis Bar Association, INCBA. So we now have, by having this conversation, we have a really good idea of what what you guys do and what's important to you and 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 how maybe you different from some other organizations that are trying to propel the cannabis industry forward, which I think is is great. 
So I tell you what, Shahida, I write a lot about normalizing and professionalizing the cannabis industry, right? Mm -hmm. And it, it sounds like you're involved in that because you're actually, and you, and the attorneys who are related to you, when I say related, is, is part of the organization. You, you're really trying to help people form a good company, a good business, and create good business practices to avoid negative issues in the future. Is that correct? That's right. We're we're helping our clients uh, develop good businesses. We also want to help the regulators develop good policy, which can okay. be challenging. Let, that, that, let's talk about that. What are some of the legal things that you guys are trying to affect now that would be, in your mind, positive policy effect on the industry? Well, two things come to mind just based on, you know, what's been happening over the past couple of weeks. One is in the state of New York. Um, so, you know, the state of New York is issuing adult use cannabis licenses, right? They've just right. opened up the applications for that process. A lot of our, our core members based in New York are trying to understand what that process looks like and trying to help clients um, and the broader industry create great applications that are competitive and um, that will allow the state to issue licenses to the most qualified licensees. Uh, so we actually, we have a webinar coming up that will look at that process in greater detail. Um, it's October 26th, shameless plug. Um, yeah. But that webinar will be led by some of our, our members who are experts on New York cannabis law and the licensing process there. And so we right. do that in every state because unfortunately, without federal legalization, it's a rinse and repeat, you know, deja vu yeah. situation in every state that legalizes where people are scrambling, trying to understand new rules. The regulations are evolving as the regulators learn more about you know, the constituents within their state. And, you know, we're basically just doing the same thing over and over again, unfortunately. Um, so now New York is, is kind of at the heart of that. The other thing that we are trying to do to help make the industry better and to help make policy better is we're focusing on social equity and what we can do to improve the diversity of the cannabis industry. So we have a, a committee within INCBA. We have several member committees. One is the diversity committee. That committee works on um, social equity partnerships in different states. And we help develop uh, resources that social equity licensees can use to help make them more competitive. We all know, you know, they tend to come with less capital, less experience mm -hmm. in running businesses, things like that. And so we find that offering, you know, free re free legal resources, pro bono services, which we're developing as another offering, that can really help to improve the diversity of the industry. Oh, absolutely. What else can you you do? Or well, what's your vision of 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 um, this mission of improving diversity in the industry? What's the vision that you're bringing to the organization in regards to that? There's so much that we can. Do. I know. Uh, There's so yeah. much that needs I know. to be done. I know. And and 
you know, we so we just applied for a grant um, from the state of California that would be a tremendous resource. It could help fund our efforts in this area, one of which is creating an INCBA social equity toolkit, which would be something that we could use and kind of push out through different states and local government agencies. And we would offer trainings, you know, to help people utilize those resources most effectively. Another thing that we're starting to see is um, we're getting approached by local governments and contractors who work with government agencies to help develop social equity programs. Because our attorneys have been in this game since the very beginning. So INCBA was formed in 2015. Many of our, our leadership has been practicing law, cannabis law, since even before then, right? Okay. So we have tremendous expertise and okay. institutional knowledge. And so we're starting to get approached by government agencies who really want to develop better policy. So I think there's a huge opportunity there. Mm-hmm. And another thing that I would like to do is help create an environment where regulators from different jurisdictions can communicate in a safe space with each other. One of the things that I've noticed is that oftentimes, you know, like regulators in New York, maybe they haven't really sat down and spoken with regulators in Washington or in California to understand, you know, what were the growing pains? What do they wish they would have done differently? And a lot of times there's just not a safe space for those types of conversations to happen. So I would love to create a, a, you know, facilitate an environment where that can happen to help improve policy. Yeah, no, I think that's great. So what, let's talk about that. A a concerted effort like that, where, because, you know, in my mind, right, the way I look at the industry is, again, going back to normalizing it, is that the experience uh, uh, of the the consumer and the experience of acquiring uh, cannabis, right, I would like to see that like going to, you know, QVC or Walgreens, right? I mean, I would like to see that. Every state is so different. Creating whatever that experience is, some of it's a nightmare, some of it is really good. Is there a way for you to get involved to help the process, help financial technology, fintech in that arena? Can we standardize some of those things across jurisdictions? to advance because some of the larger legislation is going to take some time. It's obvious it's going to take some time. We can't, we can't, we don't even have a speaker of the house. So things are not happening. Uh, Is, is there a a way for your organization to help ease the banking, uh, ease the, uh, the experience or standardize some things or, or even, uh, allow in some jurisdictions uh, uh, allow businesses to, to businesses to take some standard deductions to allow them to, to to keep a little of the money or hire more people or expand their business, right? So, is there a way for you to get involved in those areas? There's there's definitely a way for us to get involved, you know, but the buck stops with the regulators, and yeah. that is the unfortunate, very real impact of not having federal legalization. It's so we have systems, there's technology that's developed to make Mm -hmm. the 
um, fee-to-sale tracking easy right. for companies. Right. FinTech have evolved tremendously over the past few years to yeah. make transactions and you know POS systems and even yeah. customer management systems better and more effective. That's but right. here's the thing. The systems are only as efficient as the laws. And if you have a company that's working in, in three different states right. and the maximum allowable cannabis flower that a customer can have, is, it varies, right? In one state, it's you know this many ounces per day. In another state, it's this many ounces per week. In it could be state, municipalities. It could vary by exactly. municipality. Of a, of a state. By municipality, exactly. Right. So th- that makes it impossible to have a certain level of efficiency. Yeah, it's basically chaotic at its at its existence. You, you're you're it you're is. right. You're right. It is. Now, to, but to answer your question, well, what can we do to help kind of right. the needle? We can keep talking about it. We can keep letting people know that you know this is what's happening well in the industry, and continuing to present ourselves as professionals, our clients as professionals, and the cannabis industry as one that should be accepted as a normal, you know, respected industry. I think right. that will that will help. That's good. That's good. Look, we're we're coming to about the end of our discussion. And I can't let you go without giving you an opportunity to really talk to us about a win. Success story. Give us a success story. The success story. Well, to be honest with you, Vern, I've only been in this world for about two months. (laughs) That's a long time. And cannabis, right? And cannabis, that's 25 years. What are you doing over there? (laughs) But even in that short amount of time, I will tell you, um, the, the biggest win and the most impactful one for me was our event in Montreal. It was the first event that INCBA has had as an organization outside of the domestic United States. And it was our first in-person symposium or educational program that was not tied to our our two annual programs. So we have an annual event, the Cannabis Law Institute in the summer. And then in the fall, we have a day of, of continuing legal education that's a part of MJ BizCon. So this was the first one that wasn't a part of those two programs. It was very specific, focused on a, a particular area of law. We had about 50 attendees who came to Montreal in person for two days of programming. And I would say that was a huge success for us. And it, it shows, right. you know, for me, like going back to the business training, it shows mm-hmm. that we can do this. Yeah. It shows that we can be international. We can grow our footprint. We can continue to, to get members back together in person, you know, adjusting after the pandemic. And those are, are two things that are very important for me. Oh, that's great. You guys have congratulations. And uh, I'm looking forward to staying in touch, right? And when those big things happen, that you view as success, you have an invite to always come back and let's talk about that. You're absolutely, you're welcome. Audience, you've been listening to Shahida Shabazz, Executive Director the International Cannabis Bar Association, INCBA. She's been our guest today and I want to thank her for being here and I want to thank all of you for joining us. And 
uh, on plant profits. And I would, and you know, really urge you to go to wherever you listen to a podcast because we are there. Plant Profits with Bern Davis is there everywhere. You can go to CannabisRadio.com, who's our partner in crime here. They help us do this thing, and that's awesome. And any of the other major outlets, Apple, Amazon, Google, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, go listen to Plant Profits and download. We look forward to to having you there and being one of our followers. And you can also look at Protus Global, my company, on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, you know, anywhere uh, in any social media platform, we are there also. And you can look at what we're doing and building companies and changing people's lives at protusglobal.com, P-R-O-T-I-S, global.com. I'm Vern Davis. I am your host of Plant Profits. Until next time. Cheers.